Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus, who gives us a a glimpse of his glory this morning for our enduring faith and eternal good. Dear Christian friends, do you know who M.C. Escher is? He's an artist back in the 50s, 60s, who created almost trippy kind of illusion artwork, right? Maybe you've seen some of his artwork before, um, a picture kind of like this one. This one's called uh, Day and Night. And it's a picture of geese flying away from a river. Do you see it? The fun part is, which one do you see? Do you see black geese flying away from a black river, or do you see white geese flying away from a white river? It's pretty amazing that you can almost see two different pictures contained in one because it all depends on your perspective, right? Or there's this one, it's called swans. And you see, again, similar use of the the same geographic shape, right? And he does sort of a, a positive, negative thing. But if you, if you look at it for a little longer than just a few seconds, you'll notice they don't just go in a figure eight. They actually go in some optical illusion infinite loop, right? Because there's really more to this than, than at the initial first glance. There's, there's a much bigger picture. And if you've heard of M.C. Escher, you've probably seen this picture, right? This is certainly his most famous artwork It's called Relativity. It became popular in in pop culture, t-shirts, posters back in the 80s and 90s. This iconic picture of of staircases and people walking on them in all these different directions. And what's amazing about this picture is you can stare at it and take it in. And then if you turn it, you actually see an entirely different picture. It's very similar, but from a different perspective, you see something different. Have you ever thought about life like that? I'll be honest, unless unless I'm on like some weird philosophical bent, I don't. And if you're anything like me, it's because usually we kind of are just in the moment, right? We see life from the perspective of our own viewpoint in this moment. But did you realize that there's actually many different perspectives on the same thing, right? Different people see the same event differently. If you've ever seen eyewitnesses testify in court, right, you know that that's the case. If you've ever asked multiple kids what happened and you get different versions of the story, you know that's the case. But here's the thing. When it's our own lives, we want to think that our version, our perspective is really the only one that matters. But God wants us to see things a little bit differently differently, a little bit better, uh, to see them from his perspective. And so this morning, our section of the Bible helps us do that. As we take a look at Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 28, it begins like this. About eight days after Jesus said this. Now before we keep going, it's important to know what this is. This is an important conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. They were gathered with him, and he had told them plainly and clearly he was going to suffer, 
He was going to die. And he was going to rise from the dead three days later. Peter wasn't a big fan of that, though. Maybe you're, if you're familiar with that section of the Bible, you know that Peter went and kind of pulled Jesus aside and said, listen, mister, no more. No more of this talk. You've got to stop talking about suffering and dying because we've got a good thing going here. We've got, some, we've got some ministry really just starting to ramp up. Your, your popularity and your fame are growing. There's an opportunity, not just for glory, but to do some really good things, some things that are impactful and significant, but not if you keep talking about dying, Jesus, because there's no glory in that. And then Jesus spoke those words that I'm sure stung badly for Peter. They're, they're words that were spoken out of love because Peter's perspective it was all wrong. And so Jesus said to him these words, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Right? Peter's perspective wasn't what God's perspective was. Peter saw only a lack of glory, death, suffering. Pff, that's no good. And Jesus said, no, 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 my friend. This is why I came. You're seeing this all from the wrong viewpoint, and I want to change your perspective. And so then he spoke these words, words that tell us what God has in mind for all people who follow him. He said, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will save it. That's a pretty complex statement, isn't it? It's one that makes like an M.C. Escher artwork look simple. There's so much packed into there. There's so much that, that we struggle with, right? We can see it, but I'm having a hard time really getting there because to our way of thinking, there's no glory in that. How is it, how is it good if I give up everything? How is it good if I, if I lose my life? How is it good if... If everything is gone, doesn't that make it that much harder? Doesn't that make my life more difficult? How is that a good thing? Well, it really all depends on your perspective. And so eight days after Jesus spoke those words, he took Peter and James and John up onto a mountain to give them a glimpse of his glory and in doing so to give us as well this new perspective. Let's take a look, beginning again at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, 
And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. And the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. So, to recap, Jesus went up a mountain to pray, right? And while he was praying, he was transfigured. His, his appearance changed in a way that, that's hard to describe. It's almost even hard to imagine, isn't it, right? Luke describes it as his clothes, well, they became as bright as a flash of lightning. I mean, lightning is like a, a strobe, right? And then it's gone. But can you imagine what what clothes that stayed that bright? Wow. And Matthew describes it that Jesus' face shone like the sun. They're trying to describe this glimpse of glory so that we can, can get a sense of what that was like, right? And then there's, there's two men standing there talking with Jesus. It was Moses and Elijah, the, two of the greatest figures, pillars of the Old Testament, some of God's greatest uh, prophets and messengers. And God the Father spoke, right? Reaffirming, reconfirming that, yes, this is Jesus the Savior, the one I promised. Can you, can you imagine Right? This, this little taste of, of heaven, this glimpse of glory in the presence of God, in the presence of the Savior, in the presence of Jesus. What an amazing opportunity. How, what an amazing glimpse of, of glory. It must have been hard to, to try to put into words what that was like. Trying to to communicate, trying to wrestle with and grasp and understand what they were seeing. But naturally, Peter was going to try, right? Peter, the one who, who spoke sometimes before he thought, who, who liked to engage in action, was bold. He said those words that we just sang, right? Lord, it's good to be here. And then he, he gave a request. Can, I, can we put up three shelters? One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, See, Moses, or excuse me, Peter, he had a sense of what was happening. He, he didn't fully grasp all of what this was, but one thing he knew, he didn't want this to end. He wanted this to keep going because from his perspective, as he looked back down the mountain, what he saw was a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Down there, people... People are just looking to get ahead. They don't care about anybody else. Down there are, are sickness and, and death and hurt and, and worries and fears. Down there, people die. But up here on this mountain, in this moment, seeing this glory, Lord, it's good to be here. And he didn't want that to end. We can understand that perspective, can't we? Because I think in, this, in the moment, we'd want the same thing. After all, the world hasn't changed. It's still a dog-eat-dog -dog world, right? And sometimes, sometimes we're the ones getting chomped on. Sometimes we're the ones who are 
are doing the biting to get what we want. There are still the same pressures of, of work, pressures of, of the world, pressures of family, pressures of this, pressures of that. There's still the same worries and fears that rob us of joy and peace. There's still the same sicknesses and, and hurts and death. And we're sick of it. We're sick of all of it, right? We want it to just, to just be done. And you know what? God would agree. God would agree that he doesn't want this to keep going. And that's why he gave just a glimpse, a taste of what it's like, what the world is like, what life is like apart from all of that. Apart from sickness and fear and worry and hurt and death. And he gave just a glimpse of that glory on that mountain. But you see, God knew something also. God knew that for us, to have freedom, for us to be free from all of that baggage, all of that, the problems, for us to have the glory of heaven, well, the path for him was the path to the cross. Because first comes the cross, and then comes the crown and the glory that goes with it. And that brings us to our first takeaway this morning, that there is no glory for me without the cross. Here's the problem, though. We'd really like the crown. We'd really like the glory. But without the cross. Right? We all, we all have that little, that same temptation that Peter had within our hearts and within our minds that we want Jesus to stop talking about suffering. We want him to stop talking about death. We want him to stop talking about about not living to serve ourselves, about being selfless, about loving God above all things. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop talking about the cross, Jesus. Stop talking about the cross that you give to me. We want life to be, to be good, to be easy. We want the glory. We want the good stuff. But we don't want the cross. How often don't we have in mind the things of men, people, rather than the things of God. Because we'd rather give up eternity to get just a little bit further ahead in this life, wouldn't we? We're sure tempted to think that way. And our Savior wants us to realize how backwards that is. How upside down from the way God thinks, from God's perspective First comes the cross, and then comes the glory. And understand that, that God sees what's broken. God knows what, what is really the problem. And here's what the problem really is. It's something we know as well. It's our second takeaway. Sin. Sin is the reason that our world is broken and that sinners like me, like you, are separated from God. See, that's why in that moment of glory on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, right, they didn't just go, whoa, but did you notice the, their initial emotion? They were afraid. 
Because they were in the presence of God. And they knew they didn't belong. Especially not with with their sin and their guilt and their shame covering them. And so that's why Jesus, that's why God himself, in the flesh, dazzling with his glory, didn't stay up on the mountain. See, that's why he came down that mountain so that he could be nailed to the cross for the sin and the guilt and the shame of of Peter and James and John and of you and of me and of every other sin-filled, guilt-ridden person. Jesus came down from that mountain to save us. And Jesus, dazzling with his glory, then steers us away. He, he resets our perspective to see from, from his view how the world's glory is elusive, how it's, it's fading. It, it doesn't last, right? What do we call it? 15 minutes of fame, right? It, it doesn't last, but there is a glory that does. And he points us to that glory and he says, life Life isn't easy and life isn't great now, but take up your cross and follow me. Live for me. Deny yourself and live with me forever. See, that's the view as we look up from up on top of the mountain down at the world, isn't it? It's it's a different perspective than maybe we naturally think. But now we're going to take a look at one other perspective that God wants us to have, and it's one that, to some extent, we're used to here. Because if you walk out the doors here, if you walk out the door of your house, as you drive into work, pretty much every morning, what do you see? Whoa, mountains, right? And they don't change, except some days a little more snow, some days a little less, some days there's a cloud over the top. But every day, we get to walk outside and and be confronted with the majesty of them, right? Right? And maybe after a while, we kind of start to take them for granted. But, but when people come and visit, what do they do? They just step outside. They, as you drive into town, they just stop. And they look up, right? Why are there so many houses being built? Not just being built, but being built facing the mountains. Often with, with big picture windows so that every single day, they can marvel at the amazing scenery that God has put in place. There's a reason for that. It's the same reason that God had this take place on a mountain, right? Because those mountains, they give us a glimpse of of majesty. On this mountain, there was something even better. And it's what God wants us to remember every day. It's our, our third takeaway, that God wants me to remember his glory from this mountaintop every single day. Because you see, the next time that Peter, James, and John were pulled aside with Jesus, it wasn't going to be on a mountain. It was going to be in a garden. And there would be no Moses and Elijah. There would be no amazing transfiguration. And there would certainly be no glory. They would see Jesus weak. Sorrowful. Overcome with sorrowful as he prayed. There they would find Judas leading a mob to arrest Jesus intent on on killing him. And as they led him away, 
there was no, it's good to be here, Lord. In fact, Peter, James, John, and the other disciples showed with their actions, let's get out of here, as they deserted Jesus. If only, if only they had remembered. They had seen the glory of God. They knew who this was. They had to understand that this is in his control too. And God wants them and he wants us to remember that exact thing for when life doesn't go the way we expect it. Because that's kind of how life goes, isn't it? Just when you think you've got everything all figured out, well, plans change. And often it kind of brings you down to your knees, doesn't it? Just when you think everything is going right and the boss says, time to look for a new job. Just when things are really chugging along and you've got it all squared away and the pain hits, the diagnosis comes. Jesus, though, as we face these hardships and these difficulties, he wants us to remember his glory on that mountain. Because he lifts our eyes up there and he says, it won't always be this way. The best is yet to come. Let me tell you a, a true story. It was a, a, it's about a woman who was given a terminal diagnosis and told she only had months to live. And as she prepared for her death, she would meet with her pastor regularly, both for, for comfort from God's word and also to plan her Christian funeral. And she wanted this one last witness to her family, to her friends, even after she was gone, of, of God's goodness and God's grace. And so she picked songs and she picked scriptures. And then she had a request for her pastor. She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. Now the pastor had heard some odd requests before, but this one was the strangest. And he said, a fork? Why a fork? And she said, well, I've, I've had some great experiences over my life. I've been to some memorable dinners. And the, the food that was served was always fantastic. But when they would say, keep your fork, I knew that there was some decadent, delicious dessert coming, some sweet treat that was still coming. And so I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. And at my funeral, I want you to tell all of my family and friends, keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. See, that lady got it, didn't she? She understood that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, this is not all it seems to be, because the best is, is still to come. And she had a, this amazing perspective that she could remember, that she could see the glory of God even in the darkest days of her life. And so God wants you to remember that, to see his glory every day so that when the boss calls you in, it won't always be this way. The best is yet to come. When the diagnosis comes along, it won't always be this way. The best is yet to come. 
when life crumbles and, and death inches closer, it won't always be this way. The best is yet to come. The best is, is yet to come because of the cross of Jesus. And we're going to have this crown of glory in eternity with him. And that's our last takeaway this morning. That the best is yet to come. See, M.C. Escher's artwork is, is pretty cool, right? Because you can look at it from so many different perspectives, so many layers, so, many depth, so much depth to it, so many different perspectives. And God wants us to see life that way. Specifically, to see life a little more from his perspective. To see that, that this world doesn't have the glory that we think it does. It holds it out, but it's, it's not real. And so he wants us to, to look down and to take up that cross and to follow him, knowing the good things, the great things that he has planned for us. And then when life is tough, when it goes unexpected, he wants us to look up, to see his glory, and to remember that the best is yet to come in heaven with him. God bless you with that perspective that sees things remembering his glory and remembering that the best is yet to come. Amen.